Good morning, Westside. How's everybody doing today? Let's try that again. Let's wake the dead. Okay. How's everybody doing today? There we go. That's a lot better. Let me tell you, I want to welcome each and every one of you, especially those of you that are visiting with us. If you're visiting with us for the very first time, it's just a pleasure and an honor to have you here. And I want to, I also want to, um, you know, welcome all those who are watching us all over the world right now through our global West Side satellite. Um, we actually don't have one. I just thought that'd be cool to have. You know, <laughs> it'd be cool, wouldn't it? To, to actually be able to say, you know, we got a global West Side satellite. We're casting in Africa and all over the world right now, but we don't. But uh, someday, yeah, yeah, right, someday. And that was one of our elders that said that. So that's that could be happening. So uh, I'm gonna hold you to that, Jason. Okay. Anyway, it is great to have everybody here. We're in our third week of an amazing series called Awakening. I believe that God is calling every one of us to experience an awakening in our lives. As we've said over the last two weeks at times, I think all of us can feel distant. I mean, all of us can feel disconnected spiritually from God. Kind of like we're stuck or we're just coasting or we're just kind of sleepwalking through life. And we need some kind of an alarm that can go off, that can waken us out of this sleep that we tend to be in spiritually. Now, last week, we got the process started by dealing with the first awakening. It's the awakening to longing. And that's where we ask the question, isn't there more to life than this? You ever thought that? You ever had that sense, that feeling inside that there just has to be more There's just got to be more than what you're experiencing, just the existence that you're in. And as these longings that we have are not just random things that kind of pop up out of nowhere, they are longings that are hardwired inside of us by God, and they are designed to bring us into a closer, into a more intimate relationship with our Father. Now, these awakenings that, that we are discovering come to life in one particular story in the Bible. It's found in Luke chapter 15, and it's a story that Jesus told that's referred to as the story of the prodigal son. And last week, as we began to unpack this, we discovered that when we try to satisfy these longings that we have, especially the longings for purpose, the longings for love, and the longings for meaning, when we try to find those and fulfill those Apart from God, they will always lead us to that distant place, a place that's further away from the Father and a place that's further away from our true home. So today we're going to unpack this next awakening. It's the awakening to regret. You ever had any regrets? I have. We all have. And it's, we want to try to answer that question Is it possible to start over? Is it really possible to start over? Is it possible to have that kind of second chance? Now, I love to play golf. And uh, in fact, that's one of the things Tim and I are going to try to do is to get some golf in uh, while he's here. But uh, one of my best friends in golf is a guy by the name of Mr. Mulligan. And those of you that know golf know that a mulligan is that second chance, right? 
It's when you have that regret from the tee shot you just hit that either went into the lake, went into the woods, hit a house, hit a car, you know, killed somebody or whatever, and you have that regret, and you want to start over. You want that second chance, that second shot, and you get that mulligan. Tim usually takes five or ten around, but that's another story. But it's that mulligan that we can have. You see, because there's inside of us that desire when we have those regrets to start over. The problem is we don't always think we can. And we're not always sure how. So as we begin today, just pray with me if you would as we begin. Lord, I just thank you for this time. And God, I thank you for all that you've done. I thank you for this morning. It's not always how we plan it. It's not always how we design it. Things happen. But God, you are in charge and you have a greater plan. But right now, Lord, I just pray for our time in this service. And especially with this message. God, we all deal with regrets. And there are times when we just need to start over. So this morning, show us how. Help us, Lord. And God, may your spirit touch us and speak to us. And God, if we need to change today, then help us to do that. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Now, I don't know if you've noticed this kind of little breakfast table over here. It's got a little bit of shredded weeds uh, in a bowl. If you're hungry, you can have some now. You may be wondering why that's over there. Well, there's three possible reasons. The first reason is this. Lucy kicked me to the curb. (laughs) I mean, that's a possibility, right? She kicked me to the curb, and so I've actually been sleeping on the couch out there, and so I just needed to have some breakfast, so I set this up. That's one possible scenario. Now, I... I have to tell you, that's not it. That's not the real reason. Okay, in fact, I'm 80% sure that that's not going to happen. So you can, you can count on that. The second reason is this. I just simply missed breakfast. I got up late, didn't have time to eat, so I fixed myself some breakfast when I got here, and I just forgot to take it down. Okay, that's another possible scenario. But the real reason that it's here is this. Because when I think about regrets, I think about the morning after. And I think about the number of times that I've sat at a table like this, going over in my mind the events of the night before, or the days before, or the weeks before. And that regret track just keeps playing over and over again in my mind. And we all know the feeling. I mean, you get that kind of that thickness in your throat that makes it hard to swallow. And maybe images of what you did or what you saw or the sounds of what you said just keep going through your mind. So let me ask you, what's it like for you the morning after? After the fighting, after the drinking, after the computer porn, I mean, what are your biggest regrets that you have in your life? Now, here's why I ask that. It's because we all have them, right? We all have regrets, and some of our regrets deal with stuff that's the result of bad decisions that we make. But 
there are some that just deal with those deep issues of life. Maybe we've hurt someone we love. Or maybe we've been abused or we abused somebody else. Or maybe it was an affair or, or neglect. Or, or maybe that temptation won out one more time. Or maybe we just compromised our, our character or our integrity. And the list can go on and on. And what we fail to realize is this. They provide. Those regrets, they provide the fertile soil for guilt and shame and bitterness and anger to grow as they begin to take root in your life. And they will carry you further and further from God into that distant place that you really don't want to be. Now, it really doesn't matter if your stories of regret are boring or if your stories of regret could fuel your own reality TV show. Because all of us have done enough to know what it is like the morning after. To not want to be here. To have that ache in the pit of your stomach. Here's the thing. If we're not careful, the memories of yesterday will destroy your view of today. And they will make you want to cry out. I wish I could just start over. I wish I could just start over. Is it possible? Can I? I just want to start over. But here's what tends to happen to a lot of us. As quickly as regret sparks within us, that desire to question and ask, can I start over? It also raises up doubts about whether or not it's even possible. Because we begin to think, how can the people I've hurt ever look past what I've done? Or how can they look past what I've become? Or how can God ever forgive me for those things that I've done to him? You see, at times, maybe even now, we've all been haunted by the possibility that we've done those things that we think are on God's list. You know, the list of things that we think God has, that when we do them, all of a sudden, we're going to become a, like a McNugget because he's just going to strike us down with lightning and fry us. Those things. And the sad truth is, the church and other Christians hasn't helped those who are struggling with their regrets. I mean, sometimes we just feed that fear that people have of what God might do, right? The church can just feed it. Or, as somebody once put, and I really like this, we shoot our own wounded. We just shoot our own wounded. So where do we go to find the answers to regret? Well, I want to continue on in our story in Luke chapter 15 of the prodigal son because I think that we can gain some insight into how we can deal with the regrets that we have in our life. So if you got your Bible or your Bible app, if you'll just turn to Luke chapter 15, we're going to begin back with verse 13. Even though we looked at it last week, I want to begin back in verse 13. So Luke chapter 15, verse 13. I will be reading out of the New Living Translation, and it'll be up on your screen. So if you don't have it, you can just watch or you can follow along in your Bible or on your Bible app. So let's begin. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all of his money in wild living. And we talked about that last week. 
About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding, the pigs, looked good to him. I mean, you've got to be pretty hungry to have that happen, right? I mean, I just, I'm not going to eat those pods. I'm not going to eat what the pigs eat. But they look good to this guy. But look what it says next. But no one gave him anything. Here's the thing. His pursuit for more left him empty-handed, it left him alone, and it left him in a very bad place. And the sad reality is, if his story had ended there, he'd be like every other statistic on the news today. Now, here's the first principle that I want us to understand today, and it's simply this. There tends to be a gap between our point of need and are actually coming to our senses. Did you get that? I want you to write that down if you, and put it somewhere. There tends to be a gap between our point of need and actually coming to our senses. Here's what I mean. For the son in our story, he lost everything, lost all of his money, had nowhere to go, but instead of coming to his senses, he did what a lot of us tend to do. He tries to fix things. You ever been there? You ever tried to fix things on your own? I mean, you put yourself in that really bad place, that really bad situation, and instead of really coming to your senses, you just try to fix it. You try to take care of it on your own. You take matters into your own hands. Sometimes we think, since I created the mess, I've got to fix the mess. And let me be very honest with you. That's a bad idea, okay? I mean, reality is that's just a bad idea. You don't want to do that. I mean, what did the son do in our, in our story? Well, our son got a job serving slop on a pig farm. Never mind the fact that pigs aren't kosher, and so he's compromising his whole identity as a Jewish boy. Never mind that it won't actually provide the income that he needs in order to survive. When I read it, it reminded me of a guy by the name of Jake and his story. You see, Jake was a guy who struggled with where he was at as well in life. So he just literally dropped everything. He moved to Nashville. He took a job as a bartender. He began to drink all the time. He wasted his money on a different girl every night. And finally, over a five-year period, he got to the place where he said, you know what, I've had moments where I just laughed at myself and I said, fools do this. Fools live like this. I'm just a fool. But in the very next breath, he said, a year and a half later, things were still the same. Things were still the same. For Jake, instead of coming to his senses, the gap between him and God just began to widen. It just got bigger. And he got further from his father. Richard Rohr, Franciscan friar, said, you cannot heal what you do not acknowledge. And what you do not consciously acknowledge will remain in control of you from within, festering and destroying you and those around you. That's what happened to the son in our story. And that's what happened to Jake. And maybe, 
just maybe that's what's happened to you in your life. Now we can look at them and we can say, how could they do that? I mean, how could they do that? Why didn't they just come to their senses and realize what they had done? But the reality is, we know how they could do that because we've all been there, right? And we've all done the same thing. In fact, at times, we're all slow in coming to our senses. At times, we all think that we have to fix our own problems. And when we do, this is the place where we get stuck. And we just kind of go around and round and around in a circle. My first real experience with roundabouts, whoever invented those things, I don't know, but with roundabouts was in the D.C. area when we moved to Northern Virginia. And some of the roundabouts I, we have here are just one lane. I mean, they're pretty easy to, to maneuver, right? Because you just... You, work, you, you get on, if no one's coming, you get on, you either get off on point A, point B, or point C. Pretty simple. But the ones in D.C. weren't like that. The ones in D.C. had multiple lanes, usually two lanes. And if you got in the wrong lane, you couldn't get off on point A or point B or point C. You just went around in a circle. And that's where I found myself the very first time. And I can tell you even where it was at. If anybody knows Northern Virginia, it was on Highway 50 and Lee Highway. It's a crazy intersection because they come together at angles, these roads do. And I got in the middle lane, and I couldn't get out. I just went round and round and round several times because nobody was going to let me over. I was stuck. And the reality is, that's where we find ourselves, right? We just kind of get stuck doing the same thing going round and round and round, never really exiting to get off to find our way back to the Father. Now, maybe you're here today and you would like to put the pieces back together. I mean, maybe you'd like to get on the road toward healing, but you find yourself stuck on that roundabout of life, just kind of going in circles trying to fix the same old things, getting the same old results, and getting no closer to home and no closer to your God. Now, if that's you, then I've got some good news for you. Because you don't have to stay there. You don't have to stay stuck. You don't have to allow your regrets to take you further from your home. What you need to do is what we find the son doing in our story. And it is this. He came to his senses. And he acknowledged his need. He came to his senses and he, and he acknowledged his need. Again, there was a gap between that time frame, but he finally got there. Look at what it goes on to say in verses 17 through 19. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. I love the statement that he makes. At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and I'm dying of hunger. I'm hungry. My stomach's growling. I haven't eaten. I've lost weight. I need some food. Now, it would have been great if it had happened immediately, but then the the unfortunate thing is, again, it took him a while to get to this point. 
Again, the pieces don't always come together easily. The pieces don't always come together quickly. And I know that from experience. Sometimes they don't come together until things get out of control. Which leads me to this next principle, and it's this. Until you come to your senses and acknowledge your need, until you stop trying to fix things on your own, your regrets will take you further away from your father, further away from your true home, further away from where you know you need to be. You've got to finally come to your senses. You've got to finally acknowledge that need in your life so that you can move on. And when the son in our story finally got to this place and he tried to stop fixing it on his, on his own, look what it says. It led him to do this. He got up and went to his father. He got up and went to his father. Look at verse 20. And so he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. Now let me tell you, that's the power of the awakening of regret. That's the power of the awakening of regret, where you finally come to your senses, where you are awakened. And you acknowledge that need and you get up and you actually do something about it. You see, it's both a recognition of the problem and a move toward the solution. Because you can't have one without the other. It's not just about feeling bad for what you've done and then regretting it. It's also doing something about it. It's doing something about it. The Bible calls that repentance. Now, a simple definition from the Greek word repent just simply means to change one's mind. In the Old Testament, one of the meanings of the word repent was this. It was to return. And so the biblical idea of repentance is this. It's to change your thinking and then return to where you came from. To change your thinking and then return to where you came from. That's exactly what this son did. You see, it's motion, not just emotion. It's not just regretting what you've done, but it's actually doing something about it so that change can take place. Now, you may be thinking, you may be thinking, I understand all that. And I see how the son put all those pieces together in the story. But I'm just thinking about the number of times that I've sat over there at that breakfast table feeling terrible about what I've done and knowing exactly what I need to do. But I just sat there watching the clock tick by while I do nothing about it. So for any of you who are stalled and who are stuck right there, I believe God wants to say, you've got to let the awakening to regret, you've got to let it finish its work in you. And you've got to allow it to lead you to action, to lead you to repentance. Let that regret that is in you, those feelings, let those things, let those things get to the place where the Spirit of God can actually work through those to move you toward God. 
to take you out of that complacency that you're living in. Maybe day after day or week after week or month after month or year after year. Don't just wish you could start over. Get up and start the process. In other words, don't just wish your marriage was different. You be different. You let God change you and then see what happens. Don't just sulk in regret over what you did or didn't do for your kids all the years they were growing up. Get up and make the most of the day. Don't quietly commit for the fourth or the fifth or the twentieth time to end a destructive habit. You get a mentor. You get with a brother or a sister in Christ and you tell them your story and you allow them to hold you accountable. You see, it takes action, not just emotion, not just feeling bad, but it's got to move you to action, to do something. The next principle is simply this. Just recognizing and acknowledging the problem doesn't necessarily lead to change, but taking action and doing something about it does. Don't just recognize it. Don't just acknowledge it. If you truly want to change, then you do something about it and you take action. So let me ask you, what are your biggest regrets? And most importantly, are you ready to do something about them? Are you ready to do something about them? Now, I believe some of you are ready to start over. But for others of you in here, maybe the doubts about whether starting over is even possible still just looms very large within your mind. Maybe too large for you to have the courage to move toward God. You see, for you, it's not necessarily complacency that's holding you back from getting right with your father. Maybe it's fear and shame. Shame because of what you've done and Fear because of what you're afraid God will do. But there's another thing that keeps us living in the land of regrets. Some of you just may be afraid that the church might not be able to handle your problems. I mean, you may feel like your problems are too much for the church to handle. And so it's easier just to stay apart and to stay away or to not really commit or to really get involved because... You just don't want people to know who you are inside. And so when you do come, you just kind of keep closed off. And so you bury your regrets and you put on that fake facade, just trying to fit in with all the other so-called happy Christians. Here's my encouragement to you. My encouragement is this. It is time to take a chance. To take a chance on the church and to take a chance on God. And there's two reasons why. First of all, because this church is not, is not a community full of squeaky clean people who have life all figured out. Let me tell you, the only thing we have figured out is that we all need Jesus, right? I mean, that's the only thing we got figured out is that we all need Jesus. We are just sinners saved by grace. Let me tell you, you've got regrets Today, you've got them. Guess what? So do I. I've got regrets. Me too. 
In fact, I think maybe we just need to be the Me Too church. Me Too. I've got them. The Me Too church, where the healed have scars and the helpers have struggles and where the leaders lean into Jesus as they struggle their way through life. See, this place is not for the perfect because there's no such thing as the perfect person. This is a place for those who need Jesus. But the second reason why we need to take a chance on the church and especially on God is this. It's because we know how the story of the prodigal son ends. You see, we, we, we have the ability to read the ending. We know how it ends. We know how his story ends. We know how the stories of people who have traveled that same journey and who have returned to God in repentance ends. We know that. We've seen it. We've experienced it. Why? Because their stories are our stories. I heard this the other night, and it really spoke to me. My son Brandon and my daughter-in-law Julie and our grandkids Michaela and, and Oliver came back early from Africa, from South Africa. They got in Wednesday night late. And um, Brandon had, I think, either Thursday night or Friday night, he had a Skype call for class that he's taking his, in a master's class. And it was with an individual, and so they were Skyping. So it was fairly loud, so I was eavesdropping. <laughs> I, mean, I, I want to see what I could learn. I mean, it was really good stuff. So I was just listening in. And this guy made this statement. And I thought, wow, I like that. I got to use that. And so I am. This is what he said. He says, you'll never be able to truly live out God's story until you put yourself in his story. I want you to think about that. You'll never truly be able to live out God's story until you put yourself in his story. I say that for this reason, because there are a lot of people who have accepted Jesus into their life, but they just want to stay on the fringes looking in, looking at the story from without. And as long as they can look at the story from without, but never really get into the middle of it and have the story affect who they are and become a part of that story, then they don't have to really worry about how they live. But if you really want to live God's story out in your life, then you allow his story to become your story. And you put yourself in the middle of his story. And when you do, let me tell you, it will change you forever. It'll change your life. You'll never be the same again. When your story is his and his story is yours. Here's the thing. We all need to know what the father is like. And we all need to know what he's done to get us home. And you'll never truly enter his story until you see him for who he is and for what he's done for you. That's why Jesus is telling us this story. Because he wants us to know that we have an amazing father who loves us unconditionally. You may have trouble forgiving yourself, but guess what? He doesn't. Other people may have written you off, but he hasn't. He's still writing your story. You may not have counted yourself worthy, but guess what? Jesus does because of his death on the cross. And all he asks is that through repentance, 
you get up and you come home. You get up and you come home. Understand, you won't have all the answers. This side of heaven will never have all the answers. You may not be able to imagine how God could redeem what you've screwed up. But that's exactly why you have to entrust yourself to him. Because he knows how to rewrite your story. Because all we see is the moment. All we know is what we're doing now and in the present. What we do not see is how God is working upstream to provide those avenues and those ways for you to come home and to get back to him. You and I have an amazing father and he is waiting for us to repent and return. And here's the bottom line. As it always is, it is your choice. It's your choice. It's my choice. You have to choose. You have to choose to do something about it. You see, you can stay in a state of complacency, knowing what you need to do, yet hesitating to actually do it. You can remain frozen in fear and shame, allowing the roots of regret to grow deeper into your life and into your heart. Or by the very grace of God, you can come to your senses and you can acknowledge your need. And you can get up and come home. You can come home. The Father wants you to come home. And like the Father in the story, He's waiting with open arms to receive you back. And it doesn't matter about all the wild living that you've done. When you acknowledge that need and come to your senses and, and come home, He waits for you with open arms. So the question is this. The question is, are you ready to come home? Are you ready to come home? Are you ready to stop living in your regrets? And are you ready to do something about them? Are you ready to repent and to say, Father, I want to come home. I just want to come home. Now here's what we're going to do. The worship team will go ahead and make their way up. Because we want to prepare for the Lord's Supper. We want to prepare for a time where we can just come around the very throne of God and remember what our God has done. If you're visiting with us today, it's a part of our DNA. It's a part of who we are. And so as a church, we celebrate the Lord's Supper each and every week. We believe that's the pattern that was set for us, and we follow that. We're going to have two stations on this side and two on this side. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to get up and go to any one of those stations. If you'll take the bread and dip it in the cup and then go back and be seated. But here's the second thing that I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask for some of you who know this is exactly where you are at in life. You know what you need to do. But you've just been going through the motions, living with regrets. But today you realize you need to come home. You need to come home. And here's what I want you to do. I just want you to have the courage to get up out of your seat. And so instead of going to one of those stations, I want you to come and sit right down here. 
because I want to pray with you and encourage you. And we have others who will pray with you and encourage you. If that's you today, and you just need to come home, or you need to accept Christ for the first time, or you need to be immersed and baptized into Jesus, and you come and you sit here because we want to talk with you, we want to encourage you, and we want to help you to find home. To find home. I'm going to be here and I'll, I'll, I'll be waiting for you. Pray with me. Lord, I thank you so much for all you do. And I thank you for this time. As we go into this time of the Lord's Supper, God, may, may we never forget the price that was paid so that we could come home. It cost the life of our brother, Jesus, your son. And he paved the way so that we could come to you. And so, Father, as we use this time to just remember the price that was paid, may we also use this as a time to just come back to you. And so, God, I pray for each and every one here who will just sit there today knowing what they need to do but are scared. Give them the courage just to get up and come. It's in your name we pray. Amen.